So today I would like us to turn to Psalm 112. Psalm 112 um, talks about uh, the characteristics, many characteristics of a godly man. And I really think that this is very well applied to characteristics of a godly father. I thank God every day, or almost every day, I'm sure there were some days when I wasn't too happy with him, but I thank God almost every day for my father. Without my father, I would not be the man I am today. I certainly wouldn't be up here preaching to you from the Word of God. But I have a father who taught me to love the Word of God and to enjoy teaching it to others. A father who challenged me when I graduated from college that I had a message to share and that I would be wrong not to share it. And so that's what brings me here tonight. So, the message that I have tonight is simply titled, The Characteristics of a Godly Father. If you have a godly father, be thankful for him today. If you don't have a godly father, then know that God is the father of the fatherless. But, the first point that I want to get into is a godly father fears the Lord and leaves a legacy. Psalm 112 verses 1 to 4 read, Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. So, we see in these opening verses um, that the first path to blessing for a man is to fear the Lord and to delight in His commandments. I want to encourage you who are fathers today that your children are watching you. And they will model their life after you, hopefully in ways that you want them to, possibly in ways that you didn't want them to. But ultimately, the example of a father is one that cannot be overstated. Jesus even talked about his relationship with his father, and he said, I come not to do mine own will, but the will of my father who sent me. The relationship of a father is so important. And it is from my father that I got a healthy image of God the Father, who I would come to trust at a very early age. I thank the Lord for that every day as well. What we see in this passage, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Now a lot of times when people look at these verses, they say, well, where is the Ferrari in my driveway? Or where is the, the mansion that I should have because I'm told that I'm supposed to be blessed? I don't think that's chiefly what God is talking about here. Surely He does provide material blessings, and I thank the Lord for them. But I think what He's talking about is a legacy of godliness. And now my dad's legacy stretches to the second generation. 
He has 19 grandchildren with three on the way. So our name is expanding, and if the Lord is willing, within a couple of generations, the Gomethan will truly be mighty on the earth. Uh, and then it says, Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Well, we know that the Bible says, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessings of the Lord are such as such things as family, such things as um, food to eat, clothes to wear, air to breathe. These are blessings that all of us, no matter what our struggles, can be thankful for today. And um, then uh, unto the upright there arises the light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. So, we are in a time of darkness, but if we are upright, if we are righteous, we have light. We have the light of Jesus in us. He said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, consequently, because I am the light of the world and I am in you and you are in me, guess what? You are the light of the world. And so, I think it's important, as fathers... To remember these things. Because we need good fathers, strong fathers, who will take leadership in their hands. And I'm thankful for such a man. If we could read Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and then Proverbs 16, 31, by way of cross-reverence, if the gentleman gets either of these scriptures, if they could stand and read for us. For the grace of God has appeared to bring salvation to all men, instructing us to deny our godliness and holy desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And then Proverbs 16:31. A great head is a crown of glory, and is found in the way of righteousness. So we see here that the grace of God is available to us all, it's appeared to us all. And it teaches us how to live an orderly and godly life. You know, it's kind of funny to me that the world is in chaos, the world knows they're in chaos, and yet when they're thinking about how to get out of chaos, they scratch their head and say, this must be the new norm. How do I get out of chaos? My friends, I can tell you unequivocally, without any hesitation, that Jesus is the answer. God says, let all things be done decently in order. When he lays out a blueprint for life, it's not a suggestion. It is an ironclad guideline because he knows what we were created for. So he knows how we should then live. And as fathers, it is the responsibility of a father to teach their kids, to model this for their kids. As I said, my earliest impression of who God was was watching my father in his own faith journey. One of the hardest things we ever went through as a family was when my brother John Michael died in 1992. I still count it as the worst day of my life. 
It's a day that I remember vividly, even though it happened 25 years ago, 26 years ago now. But the thing that I learned the most from that experience is why you my dad? Even though he was in sorrow, even though he was asking why, he never turned his back on God. And even though I struggled in that year, and even though I was mad at God, I never turned my back on God because I looked at my dad and I saw that God was faithful. So I want to encourage dads, don't turn your back on God because your children are watching. We have read of an incident of a little boy when he wanted a new suit of clothes, begged his mother to ask his father if he might have it. The mother suggested that the boy might ask for himself. I would, said the boy, but I don't feel well enough acquainted with him. There is a sharp proof to a father in the reply of his son. Many a father keeps his children so at a distance from him that they never feel confidently acquainted with him. They feel that he is sort of the monarch of the family. They feel no familiarity with him. They fear him and respect him and even love him some, for children cannot help but loving everybody about them. But they seldom get near enough to him to feel intimate with him. They seldom go to him with their little wants and trials. They approach him through their mother. They tell her everything. They have a highway to her heart on which they go in and out with perfect freedom. In, keep, in this keeping alone, fathers are to blame. Children should not be held off. Let them come near. It is wicked to freeze up the love fountains of little ones' hearts. Fathers do them energy by living with them as strangers. This drives many a child away from home for the sympathy his heart craves and often into improper society. It nurses discontent and distrust, which many a child does not outgrow in this lifetime. Open your hearts and your arms, O fathers. Be free with your children, ask for their wants and trials, play with them, be father to them truly, and they will not need a mediator between themselves and you. And I'm pleased that I have a father, that although there have been times where approaching him was difficult, ultimately I knew that he cared for me, and I knew that I could talk to him about many things. And as I've grown into adulthood, our friendship has deepened, and I'm so thankful for that example. And I hope that one day I'll be able to put the things that he has taught me in practice and play with my own children, as the Lord wills. Okay, so first of all, we looked at how a godly father um, loves the fears of the Lord and leaves a legacy. The fact that my father fears the Lord and loves the Lord it's something that I carry with me. That's why I, I preach. Because he taught me to love the Word of God. And so, my ministry is his legacy. And, uh, the, se- the second point that I wanted to talk about is that Godly Father lives a life of courage and conviction. Psalm 112, 5-8. First of all, I just want to say my father has been one of the most courageous men I've ever known. He's always been willing to speak out for what he believes is right. We've stuck out as like a sore thumb 
many places we've gone because we have a large family. But when my dad fell under the conviction that it was God's place to choose our family, he didn't waver in that decision. And I thank him for showing that example. He also shows that example in his defense of the truth of Scripture. So many people in churches today are bending the Scripture to fit their mold of what things should be. But the Scripture doesn't change. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. God said in Deuteronomy, I am the Lord, I change not. And my dad has modeled that for me. So, Psalm 112, verses 5 to 8. A good man showeth favor and oneness. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will not be moved forever. The righteousness shall be an everlasting remembrance. He, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. So in this section we see that a good man is a, is, um, shows favor to those around him, cares for those around him, has compassion. And he guides with discretion. One thing I didn't particularly appreciate as a teenager, but I appreciate a lot more right now, is my dad's discretion. His advice on various matters. A lot of times you can uh, save a lot of time and heartache if you listen to your parents. I've seen this over and over in my own life. And then, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Again, we've been through a lot of rough times. I heard once on a radio station, I think it was a radio program, I think it was focused on the family, that close to 80% of all divorces have been because of a disabled child in the family. I don't know if you know this or not, but among my friends in the disabled community, I'm an anomaly because most of my friends are either the oldest of two children who are disabled or they are the youngest. Because once that disabled child is born, many parents are scared away from having more children. I am the oldest of 12 children, so I'm definitely an anomaly. But I thank God every day for each one of my siblings because without them, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. They've all helped me in so many ways. And so God knew what he was doing. My parents used that experience and the experience of losing their son to draw them closer together and not drag them apart. I'm, I'm thankful for that. So very thankful. They have modeled the fact that when something's broken, you fix it. You don't throw it away. So, then we have, his heart is established, he shall not be afraid. Do we ever think about all the different times that God tells us not to be afraid? 
I haven't counted them up, but I know I heard once that there was at least enough to have a, a, a daily calendar for a year of do not be afraid passages. So you think maybe that was a message that God wants us to get through to us? I think so. When God says something is important, when he repeats something, it's very important. And I'm guessing if he says it hundreds of times, it's because we're sheep and we need to be sold over and over again because sheep are dumb animals. That's why I so appreciate the breaking of bread. Because it's every week we're reminded of why we exist. And it's to love and honor God. wonder if we could look at um, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, by way of cross-reference. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. says that you'll, you'll keep our mind in perfect peace of our heart is stayed on Him. And I know that I personally can do better in this area. But if we are thinking about the things of God, He erases worry. He lets the peace of God rule in our hearts. Because He promises that he will. He always keeps his promise. And again, this is something that needs to be modeled. How are other people supposed to trust a God that we don't trust ourselves? It's been said that everyone, that people don't always live what they profess, but they always live what they believe. So my prayer for you as fathers and everyone else here as well is that our profession of faith in Jesus Christ will be matched by the way that we live. And I'm thankful to have a model like my father who has been faithful in this regard. Doesn't mean he's imperfect. But see, one of the great things about my dad is he'll admit that when he's wrong. Often when we ask for a person's signature, we will call it their John Hancock. That is because of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. One stands out above the rest. That signature belongs to John Hancock. He was the first to sign the Declaration, and he signed it in a large and legible script so that the King of England could read his name without using glasses. Mr. Hancock wanted to be very clear where his allegiance lay. His commitment to his country was so clear that when King George III offered amnesty to all who would cease fighting, John Hancock was among the few who were left out of the offer. Has your signature let your king know of your dedication and commitment to him? That's a challenge for all of us, that we would be known by our God for our commitment to him. And I owe a lot of my 
dedication and commitment to God to my Father's faithfulness. Not only that, but there's no greater feeling than waking up in the morning and hearing my dad pray for me before he goes to work. So, such a blessing. So please, pray for your children as well. All right. The third characteristic of a godly father is he will be both honored and persecuted. Psalm 112, 9 and 10 say, He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away the desire, melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. People look at us who are believers and they say, why would you believe that stuff? Why would you restrict yourself to those narrow beliefs? Narrow beliefs. But remember in the beginning of this message when I was talking to you about the chaos in our world? There's so much chaos and disorder in the world and yet when the world looks up or looks brands as they look anywhere else but to the truth. They profess themselves to be wise but they are fools. Because without God there is no order in the world. God set the world in motion by order. He created the world in six days, every day he had a different creation that took place. On the seventh day he rested, and then later when he was giving the law, he said, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, and on the seventh day you shall rest. When it came down to building the early church, he gave specific instruction of how the early church was to function. And he gave us the model of a family to help us to know that we are supposed to love one another and care for one another and bear one another's burdens. These are just part of the ways that the order of society is based on the Word of God. And without it, there is disorder. And yet, someone who strives for order, a man who strives for order and integrity in his life, will be looked at by the world and be laughed at. Because you're a square, you're a prude, you don't know how to have fun. One thing I've said to people pretty routinely through the years is, well, there's, there's two reasons that I don't drink. Well, actually three. One is that I'm in the ministry. I want to be an example to the believers and to all men. The second one is because I drive my wheelchair everywhere I go. I can get a DUI at any time. And the third one is that I want to remember when I have a good time. I think I've heard someone say, if you remember it, you didn't have a good time, but that's just the difference between the world and living for Christ. 
Remembrance is important. Remember what Paul said about the Philippians? He said, I rejoice in every remembrance of you with prayers to God. When we come to the communion table, we are to remember the Lord. Remembrance is important. I think one of the reasons that the wicked are grieved is because they know they're missing something. And it says to us that the desire of the wicked will perish. Everything that the wicked pursues in this world will perish. Fathers, the only thing you can bring with you to the next life is your children and your children's children if you leave them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The only thing. You won't be pulling a U-Haul behind your hearse. Nothing you accumulate in this world is worth gaining at the expense of your family. I just have one more story to share. Well, actually, let's look, let's look, by way of cross reference very quickly, at 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 17. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the persecution that we who espouse absolute truth experience is to be expected. What did Jesus say before he left? He said, because the world hated me, they will hate you all. You ever think about the fact that the very tongues that blasphemed the Lord, the very hands that picked up the stones to try to stone him, the very people that called him a drunkard and a wine-bibber, or people that he created? You ever think about the fact that sometime in eternity past, he had a plan for Pontius Pilate to be created. This man who stood right next to Jesus and asked him, what is truth? That's always a striking conversation to me because Jesus had just recently told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. My Father was very clear with me that he couldn't get me into heaven. God has no grandchildren. The only way I was going to heaven was through Jesus Christ. 
And we read, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You know, it's interesting that we have this Me Too movement right now where we're dealing with issues of uh, harassment and surely that's important to address but the same people that are complaining about that are upset with Vice President Pence who says I won't go to dinner with anyone other than my wife. And I sit here as a believer and say what is wrong with that? The answer is absolutely nothing but the world will never be happy with good things. Jesus says, Woe to them that call good evil and evil good. That's where we are living today. So that's why we need good fathers to show us the good, to encourage us to cling to what is good and to abhor that which is evil. A young Christian soldier in the army was often insulted by his tent mates while at a prayer while at prayer at night. He sought advice of his chaplain and as his advice omitted his usual habit. His conscience, however, could not endure this. He chose rather to have prayer with persecution than outward peace without it, and resumed his old way. The result was that after a time all ten or twelve tent companions met with him in prayer. In reporting to his chaplain he said, Isn't it better to keep the colors flying. Billy Graham said this, he said, the courage of one man will often stiffen the spine of those around him. If fathers will have courage in the way that they raise their families, and grandfathers will have courage in the way that they um, teach their grandchildren, it can lead to a revival that can sweep this land and this world. The Bible says that the disciples, though they were unlearned, they were not smart according to the world, but it says that they turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. It didn't happen because of who they were. It happened because of who Jesus was and that they were yielded to Him. It says in Acts chapter 4, that they marveled about Peter and John because they didn't know anything, but they knew that they met with Jesus. My prayer is that people will know, your children will know, and people around you will know that you've been with Jesus. And my hope is that that would be your prayer as well. So, in review, we talked about three different points about godly fathers. A godly father fears the Lord and leaves a legacy. It is important to note that you leave a legacy whether you want to or not. The question is not, will I leave a legacy? The question is, what legacy am I leaving? In a famous ad campaign, Charles Barkley once said, I am not a role model. 
What he was not aware of, or what he was not thinking about when he did that was, that whoever watched him on the basketball court, there would be some that would consider him their role model, no matter how much he denied such a, a role in their life. Whoever you are, you are a role model to someone. So fear the Lord and leave a legacy of godliness. And then, we talked about a godly father who lives a life of courage and conviction. Our society is becoming less and less Christian and open to Christian things. But we must stay the course. A darkening society does not mean that we hide under a bushel. No, a darkening society means we shine even brighter for the truth. And the truth hurts. The Bible says that the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to them that believe it is the power of God. And it's the power of God in my life. Thirdly, and finally, he will be both honored and persecuted. I honor my father today because of what he has imparted in my life. But I also know that he has taken a lot of heat. He's had people be less than kind to him because he has taken stands for truth. And that will happen because as we read, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, we don't understand persecution to the level that some in other countries do, but we certainly understand, as some Christian authors have put it, pressure. They don't like to call it we're going through persecution, but we're definitely going through pressure for our faith. And so the question is, are you going to pursue godliness? Because your choice whether or not to pursue godliness will determine whether your children do and whether your children after them do. I just want to close with this. Remember in Judges chapter 1, it tells us the sad story that there arose a generation that knew not Joshua, nor his God. And they did what was right in their own eyes. It only takes a generation or two for a society to fully forget God. The reason that I began speaking for Him, the reason that I'm so passionate about preaching the Word of God, is that we cannot drop the ball for the next generation. We need to be preaching the truth. We need to do so boldly, without apology. Because we will not always be here. And the only legacy we can leave is one where God is at the center. When I die, the thing I want most said about me is that He served God. And I hope that you can share in that. If you do not know the Lord, please know that He is waiting to hear from you. The Bible says that if we uh, call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. It's an ironclad promise if you do so from the heart. It's not the words you say. Matter of fact, Jesus warns against long, fancy prayers that mean nothing. 
For remember the publican said, God be merciful to me a sinner. And Jesus said, that day, he went to his house justified. Because he believed God. And God counted it to him for righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these words from your holy word. Lord, I thank you again for my father. I thank you for the fathers in this room. I thank you for the other father figures in my life and for what they have meant to me, for my grandfather and for other godly men in this church and other places that have mentored me and taught me in the faith. Lord, I pray that you would be with each of us. Help us to know um, and follow your will. Help us to read the instructions daily. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.